0: welcome man, ladies and gentlemen to episode number 50 of Go racing with david starr tyler jones here with you so glad to have you with us coming up on today's show we're going to be joined by stock car driver and hollywood stuntman stanton barrett is set to join us for a fascinating conversation that we'll be bringing to you in just a few moments from right now plus we'll have our news and notes segment and our ask David segment coming up at the end of the show as well. David Starr joins me right now. David, <laughs> always a pleasure, my friend, to have you here with us. You've been staying pretty busy the last couple of days. Nice time at the uh, Mavericks game with the boys, right? Man, no doubt Sunday Sunday evening was awesome. We set we had uh, four tickets
1: and we watched. Uh, you know, watch the Mavericks and play the, uh, guy, the Chicago Bulls and what a heck of a game. You know, my oldest boy, DJ is a big basketball player and, uh, man, he loved it. We had a great time and, uh, Sunday morning, my youngest son, Vancey was baptized. So that was kind of cool. And, uh, man, it was a busy week last week with, uh, you know, racing sponsorship meetings and, uh, really worked on a lot of the, uh, our racing school stuff there at the Texas Motor Speedway. So it's been a Busy week last week, and uh had a great weekend, and uh, man, it's just, uh, and then back at it this week, you know, y- y- you guys know how it is, just uh, trying to get ready for our 2022 season and uh, bring everything together so we can announce something
2: soon.
0: Oh yeah, guys, we're just over a month away from Daytona and less than a month away from the clash at the LA Coliseum, so the uh, racing season is going to be here before we know it. The incomparable Dominic Oregon of The RacingExperts.com is here with us as well. Dom, how are we doing?
3: Oh, Tyler, are doing even better after an introduction like that? Great to join you guys again tonight.
0: Good awesome. to see you, buddy. Oh, you too, David. Yeah, it looked like you had a
3: lot of fun this weekend. A lot of a very busy weekend.
1: Well, hey, we try we we always try to live our life like every day's Christmas. You know what I'm saying?
3: <laughs> well, Tyler, a wise man once said, but the last name is Stark, you gotta live every day like it's your birthday.
0: <laughs> absolutely, man. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, Well, guys, we got a a great guest this week. Dominic, give us the rundown. Tell us about Stanton before we bring him in. Sure. So we're talking a guy that has raced in all
3: three of NASCAR's National Touring Series at one point. He's tried his hand at IMSA, IndyCar Racing, among other disciplines of racing. He started racing at the age of 16 in karts, won everything he touched in there. And he's also worked as a stuntman on a lot of Hollywood films. Probably at least over 150 films, according to our research. Probably, I'm sure Stat knows the exact number. Stat, welcome to the show. Appreciate you joining us tonight.
2: Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Good to be here. Good to
3: see all you guys. Well, so right now, as it stands, January 2022, how many films have you been a stuntman or Hollywood stunt double in?
2: Yeah, that's it. That's a tough one Uh, because, you know, when you look it up, it doesn't always show everything. Uh, But I think it's uh, just a little bit over 300 between TV shows and films. Wow. So, whether doing stunts directing or you know stunt coordinating or whatever so qu- quite a lot to, to be in
0: <laughs> you cool. know when i think about it guys when david probably can attest to this so much you know race car drivers there's a uh an instinct of mine you know a, a no fear of some sorts that I, I never really thought about that, but that makes a lot of sense that a race car driver would be a stunt man. I mean, you guys, uh, th- th- this goes right in your DNA. I, I would think Stanton have just not been, not fearing some of these uh, things that put you through.
2: Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's a matter of no fear, even though I like to think that, you know, in some regards we have to have that a little bit, right. In, in parts of life in general, what whatever you do, but I think it's more of a calculation of what you're capable of doing and analyzing situations, and, and also being prepared to, you know, tackle whatever it is that you're putting yourself into. So it's not uh, so much a a thing of fear. I think if if you don't have some fear, you go over the limit limits, and you and you make big mistakes or you or you do really costly things. So I don't know. I think I feel like in some regards, maybe if I wasn't a stuntman, I would have taken different risks racing because it didn't matter. Like, oh, I just, you know, I can crash this guy or that guy or do whatever. And But you're always analyzing all the risks. So you're being more cautious in a way because you're analyzing all the risks. Like, eh, I don't know if that's the right thing to do or maybe I don't want to, you know, put myself in that spot. Or, you know, I see guys crashing guys all the time and you're like, man, that did he even realize how dangerous that was for the other driver? Like, <laughs> so I don't put myself in that position. I don't want to like, I'm like, that's stupid. Um, now, in racing, you can be put in all kinds of situations, but I don't, it might be more of a uh, detriment as far as the result yeah. circumstance that I, I was a stuntman and stunt coordinator, and you're analyzing all the dangers and scenarios and, you know, whatever. But uh, one thing it did help is avoiding, uh, I think, racks and stuff, because you're always looking so intently on everything. And you're watching people's movements, even though you don't see them in the car. But as David knows, you can you can kind of see the tires move, you can see how the cars reacting, you can see little things like hey, this is not going to be a good situation. So um, or, or when they're crashing, just using physics, which we use a lot in stunts and common sense and and some uh, you know engineering, mental engineering, just look in the lay of the land and angles and speed and you know and like angles they're hitting and you kind of anticipate where they're going to probably go that's a that's a really big you know benefit too so pros and cons are on the on the on the stunt stop and in the background there uh, I, I would say uh, I, I wouldn't say it's no fear because obviously when you risk your life you like you gotta have some fear or you're just stupid and i, I don't <laughs> really perceive myself as being stupid too much i mean i am a little bit but, uh, <laughs> You know, I, I think it's more on a, a smart standpoint. It's just, you're getting thrown so much stuff in a race car, whether it's practice or setup or situation and analyzing stuff. I think that kind of stuff, because you're throwing the same elements of films. You're getting thrown stuff, seat of the pants. Like, you might have a huge scene with 20 guys doing this choreograph, and say you're on a motorcycle and you're near missing cars, that well, one person does something a little different. You have to adjust right then, or your toast. Same as like qualifying. Like, you when you go risk it, and you're doing a, you know, way above the fine line to get that extra time. You got to adjust. Like, it's not. It just doesn't work out the way you hope. That when things happen, so you have to adjust really quick. So, I think they have a lot of similarities and correlations that help help each other. But I don't know. I think uh, def- definitely not fearless, right? Which we- again, is kind of, can, can be a bad thing a little bit because uh, ignorance is bliss at some point. Yeah. So
1: Stan, uh, man, it's just it's very interesting to hear you talk. I've I always wondered, um, you know, I, I'm so interested in the race car driver side of Stan Barrett, but man, I gotta, you know, we usually say, hey man, take us back, take us back to the start. You know what I mean? Uh, take us back, tell us where the love of stock car racing, the love of American auto racing, you know, You've driven Indy cars, IMSA, you know, trucks, bus, Xfinity, Cup Series. But, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm curious about the Hollywood, the films, you know. How, how did that happen? I mean, you know, it's like, it's not, I mean, you, you're, I've been in NASCAR for 25 years. And one of the biggest things I hear, a lot of people talk about you, have been for a long time. And everybody's so intrigued with Stanton Barrett, you know, it's like, man, this guy's a Hollywood filmmaker, you know what I mean? And uh, some of the cool films you made, but I guess um, my, my question to you is take us back to the beginning. How how did that even come about? Was your dad involved in that, And uncle? I mean, take us back to the start.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I was really fortunate uh, to grow up like I did. I never anticipated doing stunts. Over. I actually wanted to fly fighter jets. And then uh, by the time I was, you know, 16, I already broken, you know, 50 bones. So my dad was not flying jets. I had impeccable eyesight, um, you know, and high anchoring, all that stuff. I love planes. I started flying when I was really young, but uh, that wasn't really an option. I was terrible in school, hated school. Um, so I don't know if I get into the air force academy uh that's a long story school stuff i mean i was really good in school but uh i did get put back in second grade because i read slow but i memorized everything i read and then i skipped <laughs> sixth grade when I my parents separated in colorado i walked into school I and mean, this is off subject but you know back then it's different than today. your parents just drop you off first day at school I'm like, okay, I have sixth grade and then seventh. Then I'm in the junior high and high I can't skip anymore. So my dad drops me off. I go to the principal, like, what grade are you? I'm like seventh. She knew I was lying. I, because I was in sixth. I'm like, no, I'm in seventh. She calls my dad and he goes, uh, she goes, he says he's in seventh grade. Um he goes, yeah, do whatever the boy wants, hangs up the phone on her. She looks at me. <laughs> so, anyways, I skipped my year back. I lost when I was in second grade, but from then, I was behind, so it took while. More- I just didn't like school. I liked uh math and science, I did like history um but I did learn typing in high school, and that was the best thing I ever learned. It's like typing super fast uh, right so um back to you know I got into it with uh my dad, I mean, my brother and I grew up skiing every day, riding motocross um you know, we raised professionally in motocross and skiing, and I grew up rock climbing in my backyard. I lived in one of the best places in the country for uh, bouldering and rock climbing, and just outdoor sports in general. So we had developed a lot of skills early on that kind of also apply. And with my dad being a stuntman, and that's how I got into it. He okay. doubled, like Burt Raimel, and Paul Newman, Stephen Queen, but uh. Hey, did, you, a, did you say
1: Steve McQueen?
2: Yeah, my dad did a little bit with him. Um, wow. <laughs> but primarily, he was, uh, you know, Paul Newman's and Burt Reynolds' uh, stunt double, which he has a great um, wow. story along there. So, I, I, I grew up with my dad being a stuntman, and I you know, we just thought that was, he was making boots was normal. So he taught us from when I could ever remember. I have pictures when I was like. Four or five years old with boxing gloves and this and that. My brother and I we were, we would jump off the house and see how high we could go. Like, we were literally jumping <laughs> like 15 feet off our house when we were seven years old. That was cool. And I don't know why, how we didn't get hurt worse or dead, but we had purposely wreck our bicycles down grass hills to see who could wreck the bed. I just stupid stuff, right? But that's what we did. So, I guess just through him being in film and teaching us like how to fight how to box karate um techniques you know around uh because it's different to know something and then make it look good on film and then you have all the technical aspects of film and safety so you know i just grew up around it unfortunately my dad was one of the most famous stuntmen and i grew around him and mickey gilbert and hal needham uh who owned, you know, uh um, the school bandit car who my dad and Hal and Paul and Bert, my dad got them involved to to do after his rocket car, um, stock car So I never thought I'd race cars. I always loved it. Um, you know, I was Paul newman's Godson, I was around it with my dad and Paul. But my brother and I, we were always into motocross and skiing, and that's what that's what we did. And then uh, you know, when I became old enough, I'm like, ah. Eh, Maybe we'll try driving go karts and race cars. And my dad actually sent us to Buck Baker's school. All right. And when I was 16, my brother was 17. That's I cost, Yeah, I drove across country to meet my brother there. Uh, when I was 16, so got in and we had a blast. How and- Needham,
1: How Needham, Burt Reynolds, man, I. I mean, you know, I don't know if you guys, uh, Tyler and Dominic, you guys were alive, but man, these guys were uh, like, like Stan said, Hal Needham, he owned Harry Gant's car, I believe. And uh, uh, you'd always see, I mean, I would see him on TV. I've watched it on TV. Stock car racing magazines always had pictures of Hal Needham and Burt Reynolds because they were big stars. So, Stan, if I want to ask, did I hear you right? Did you, your dad got them involved in NASCAR racing? Is that correct?
2: Yes. Yeah, so when my dad, because he worked with those guys in films and became, you know, basically best friends, uh, you know, how was uh, uh, my, and my dad was house protege, and, you know, when he, they met and kind of, Broaden up and there's a whole backstory between different characters, uh, and how they all met, which is really pretty fun and interesting. But, uh, after the rocket car, which Hal owned, otherwise the rocket car, when my dad did that and broke the speed of sound on the ground, they like, well, let's go racing. Uh, (laughs) And so Hal got involved and they, you know, my dad got hurt and Paul, uh, and go, let's do, you know, uh, a race team. And they went to school. And uh, I'm not sure how that school thing worked out, but um, they got it together. So it was a 22 with my dad. And then just shortly after, they put on Harry Gantz, 33. And then uh, my dad got out of racing that same year. I think he ran, uh, uh, you know, 15 races or something. Yeah. Um, uh, So, yeah, I kind of grew up around some amazing people. That was uh, influential in film and also exposed me to race cars. I never thought, like, I thought racing was cool, and
4: <laughs> whatever,
2: but I never thought I would, you know, get, I never thought I'd be a stuntman either. And then, yeah, my dad started doing movies, you know, movies went from like Westerns to a bit of cars and then finally into more extreme sport, crazy stuff, which my brother and I were, were. You know a professional level at a lot of those and so i think i don't know if my my dad was trying to get rid of my brother and i by putting this <laughs> one done, or he's like all right my two kids i just hire these two i don't have to hire 20 other guys with all these different yeah. stuff. So <laughs> we That's had a lot awesome. of fun together though yeah. man is your
1: brother still a stunt man uh, also is he still involved
2: no he uh, directs and produces. he still goes does some stunts like uh, i got him a job this week, actually, a buddy of mine in Hawaii, the job that I just left. Um, in, but primarily he's a TV director and producer. So he he directed Blue Bloods uh, and producer, producer-director of Blue Bloods, uh, um, co-executive producer on that for the last seven years. But mostly in, yeah, he directed one film and he does a lot of, you know, a lot of CBS TV and different things. He's done tons of different uh, Amazing. directing. Kind of got out of the stunt world and into that. Now was, I don't know, I midlife mean, crisis does more stunts off and on now and directs and stunt coordinates and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> We've been doing it a long time. Yes. I think he's little no, more at retirement than in so the, the ground. Of
0: the movies you've, you've worked on and such, uh, what have been some of your favorites? What have been some of your favorite projects that come to mind over the years? I think as far as. You know, I get that asked a
2: lot and it's so hard because I've I've been so lucky and, and been on so many amazing movies. But I think a lot of the period pieces are super cool. Uh or, or you know, you know, fantasy like Batman or something where you're in a different world, but we make it come to life. Those those are a lot of fun. Uh, and I'll go back and name a few that are my favorite, but you know, a lot of the time your favorite film is is the people you work with in those moments that you shared during the movie making magic part of it and after work and stuff like that or certain locations but uh i'd have to say some of my favorite my probably my favorite ones are ones i work with both my brother and my dad at the same time so we did uh in a a series well we did bandit together which how it was a series that abc had they did an action pack series this and i was racing cars at this time too but early in my career i think it was in 93 or 94 and uh that's when i was running late models at concord and a little bit of bush the series right um but it was and we did a series called extreme on abc and that was in utah i mean we were doing huge skiing stunts and bikes and helicopters and just snowmobiles <laughs> on my day off I stayed in bed because I could barely move I'm like uh, I'm not going anywhere I can't even move my brother's like I can't ski and come on I'm like I can't move you aren't doing the same stunts I'm doing so you know yeah. uh so you know getting to work with my dad and brother at the same time because you know my dad was pretty old, actually. Well, he's young, in a way, but still old, when we started. Because um, I've been doing film since 1988. Wow. And then racing cars since 91. Oh. Um, so, you know, I, I think it would have been really fun to do more stuff. But, you know, I've got to work with my dad, my brother, Hal, uh, Mickey Gilbert, some of the best people. I've got to double my godfather to, like, everybody. So... I would say the favorite ones are those two because I got to work with work my dad brother a lot and doing some really big stunts and uh, also learning from the best. Outside of that, uh, you know, like Jurassic Park was great. Wow. <laughs> I did the early ones. So Stan Winston was around. We got to work with Spielberg. We had the animatronic dinosaurs. So they were real. And you had guys in suits, you know, making them work. Like, you know, they move their hands and they, they blink their eyes, the dinosaur eyes blink. They do, you know, so we really, I got to work. Like, that was a really fun one, for your, your, even though it's, you know, sci-fi in a way, but dinosaurs were real. Yeah. We put ourselves back in that time and everything, but like you're, you're doing scenes... I remember in the plane crash, we crash the plane and do all the stuff, and the dinosaur, or before that, comes in and tears the nose off, and the dinosaur heads in there, attack trying to attack Well, the thing's basically real. If I if he hits me, I'm like I have this. It's a hard carbon and carbon uh, uh, carbon fiber and fiberglass mix, like dinosaur. It felt like a real dinosaur coming in there chomping at you. So, you're, you know, those kind of things are always, like, some of the coolest stuff. Um, to, uh, uh, I think period pieces are cool, too, because you're really, really living history. And you're really in the moment, right? You're in the Got same it. clothes. You're, uh, you're being taught the history, which I thought was one of, one of my favorite things in school besides P.E. Um, <laughs> but, you know, was history just to learn that stuff so you know it, it historically like i did uh gods and generals patriot um last of the mohegans wow so those kind of films are fun because you you're going back in time and it feels like bombs going off you're shooting muskips, <laughs> you're actually loading them normally think, things like that uh, really puts you if you take the time to, to to take the time for the moment, you go back in time with what happened and it's kind of it's kind of awing. I know I remember on through General's, you know, just we had to, we had literally a thousand extras on each side and we're doing these, you know, obviously they're not um real bullets, but when you're firing muskets at guys and we're having bombs go off from cannons and and you're seeing people blow up you know us stunt guys and you're really in that moment and you think about what these people went through for our freedom and stuff and just war and stuff it it's you it's it's like living a book or or living in history so those kind of films to me are are probably the funnest and, and then also just again who you work with so uh as far as moments go, favorites, those would be some of them. Um, I don't know. that's a long-winded, long-winded answer to your question.
1: <laughs> man, Stan, I'm mean, just, man, <laughs> these we watch them on television and you make them, you know, man? I mean, it's like we can't, we can't comprehend anything you're telling us, we hear, it and it's, it's the coolest thing and, and very intriguing and interesting, but man, <laughs> I don't know much about no movie making, dude, that's, that's amazing to, to hear you explain that, guys, isn't that, that's so cool, wow, that's amazing, you know. And then you really feel like, uh, in
2: gods and generals, I was one of the guys that, so there's three deserters or whatever, I forget, but anyways, we are going to get killed by our uh, general or whatever, so we're blindfolded, we walk up, it was uh, Wilfred Brimley's son, Gus, there's another guy who doubles Matthew Igani, uh a, a lot, a good buddy, and me. So they picked us to be the guys that are the 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 deserters that get uh, executed. Well, they dig us our graves, and this is where <laughs> you're like, shit. This was well, yeah, no, fucking,
0: you know, what's wrong? It's real. It's podcast. Okay, it's, it's unfiltered. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Shoot, this is this is Bill's real. Like we're walking, <laughs> and. They're going to go, well, we have, it, it, so they're called uh squibs when you get shot. They're the blood packs that go on your, normally they're packed, like right. with, uh, metal. So you have the explosive, the blood going this way, and then you have a metal plate, and then you have like a uh, uh, neoprene behind that, and hopefully you have something tight. So when it explodes, it doesn't slap you, right? So most right. blood packs are a one. Just figure like, uh. The one firecracker. Okay. You can feel it, especially in certain wardrobes. Like, okay, well, we're going to put these, you're getting shot by these big muskets, right? All right, sounds good. So we have this canvas kind of clothing on because it's back, you know, in 19-whatever. Right. Uh, And like, you have a, a five on you. So that's like probably like, what's the next size up? People used to throw them down the toilets, you know. So it'd be like putting 25 firecrackers in a Wow. Car. And like, you're going to have one in the front. And we need to see the back. So they put on the front back. Right. I'm like, we're going to feel it. I'm like, great. So we had to like, get shot, fall, like, I think about three feet into the grave. These <laughs> things hit us. And, and because the clothing was like loose and out of that far, it hit. It hurt. I thought somebody hit me with, a, like, a sledgehammer. <laughs> and we, we all got shot. <laughs> they go, try to, you know, not act like you're falling back. And, you know, of course, we know how to act when we get shot. But we thought we got shot. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: you are your buddy that day, huh? Oh, man, it
2: was the worst thing in the You could hear us all on the ground and almost laughing because it was pretty big blood explosion. Oh, and we man. hit the ground. But we're both, we're all aired out, and you can hear us moaning down. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> That's funny,
4: yeah. Hey, Stan,
1: tell us, tell us, uh, so man, you know, I don't think anybody in the industry, you know, and, and, and just auto racing, IndyCar, drag racing, NASCAR, I don't think anybody has, has exper- experienced what, you know, I mean, I don't think I, I, I don't know or know of another stunt person or know anybody that makes movies like yourself. You know, it's very, it's a it, man, it's, it's amazing. But I guess my question is, you know, those stunts when you're making, doing these cool stunts and, and getting shot and falling in a freaking grave, is that like winning a race? I mean, you know, the, 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 the excitement we feel and the competition and, Running 180, 190 miles an hour, 200 miles an hour, you know, that adrenaline and the competition. I mean, it's hard to describe what that means, you know, what I I feel and how awesome that is. But with all that being said, do you get that same feeling racing cars as you do uh, being so successful and being a stuntman and and being successful and making an awesome movie and doing awesome stunts? Is Is it the same feeling or is it different?
2: Uh, It's different. I mean, for example, when we got shot, you're like, any idiot could do this. I don't know how, <laughs> how fun this is, or <laughs> glorifying, <laughs> or smart, or whatever. Right. But, uh, you know, uh, it, it's different because uh, it, from a technology standpoint, technical standpoint, there's similarities. It's gratifying because, you know, a lot of what we do is not just going out driving, right, as fast as we can and taking risk or whatever there's there's a lot to it there's a lot or at least to me i feel like maybe i overthink stuff because that's the way my mind works but it's the same with stunts you're being thrown so many different elements yeah you might have to go ride this bike and crash into a car and fly over another car and hit the ground well you know that's going to hurt but then you're also analyzing all the scenarios of how, how you make it look right how you make it look like it's a real crash because it is, but how you you know you, you cheat certain you know how I leave the bike, but I don't want to leave too early, otherwise it looks like I jumped, and how you rack, so it looks like a wreck, but you're also hopefully controlling it a little bit, and then when you hit the ground, which is gonna hurt. Um, so I, I guess from more on the stunt side, it's more for me, uh, of course, completing something big that few people know how to do or would do or haven't had the opportunity to do is is, is exciting and i don't know if it's a journal it's just i think it's a, a sense of accomplishment and Absolutely. success and you gain respect of your peers and those on on set so um you know we don't get our fame from media and you know people knowing this, but we sure after doing big stunts get uh, respect from from our crew and and that's gratifying just to know you did a job and did it well fly under the radar and you're kind of the unsung hero and and you don't demand anything no 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 fame or you know i don't care about any of that stuff but um to, to me it's not so much adrenaline Cause there, I, there's so much pressure put on you it's like qualifying <laughs> yeah. there's not a lot of journal in there also you have like well when we were started out you actually had to qualify to get into the race right you know, it's a different story so um, that was everything you sure. you risk you you make a you try to go for that extra two tenths or whatever that could cost you four tenths and you're out of the race that two tenths could put you in the top ten but the four tenths put you out of the race, so it, it's tons of pressure, and you have to do everything perfect. And your car, if it doesn't react perfect, you have to make super quick adjustments on the fly, and hopefully, you correct it whatever enough just to make the race. Right? It's that kind of pressure that I put on myself, and I feel when I do most, not all stunts, because not all stunts are that complicated, but a lot of the ones I've done, uh, unfortunate that I'm in the position to do those kind of things. There's a tremendous amount of pressure, and I would just uh, uh, identify it in relationship to qualifying. I mean, sure,
4: the absolutely. race
2: is easy. You get in, you start, you can build some momentum, you can strategize, you can get into a groove. It's not that way in qualifying. You're uh-huh. coming out of pits, and you're two, four right. gears, and you're flat out, you're trying to feel as much speed. Everything's like <laughs> right. throwing all caution to the wind, right? So there's a little bit... In, in my opinion, on big stunts. Now again, not every stunt like that is is that way, but even some of the simple stuff because you have to think about what the camera sees, what the viewer sees, how it overlaps with either your actor that you're doubling in the scene, or if you're not doubling somebody or whatever, if you're another key element, how does it look? How, how, how do you, you know, um, you can't do things that you think in your mind is right like normal living you have to do things and understand film and camera and technique. sure um and in engineering stuff i'm always doing cool stuff where i'm engineering like i just engineered a pipe ramp you know it's a new jeep nobody's really ever flipped one they want to make sure it try you know it scraps you a little bit but try to get a certain look out of it flip ones onto the hood you know you have a train different asphalt so i designed the ramp for that so there's a lot of engineering in mind um since someone say some common sense but more experience and just simple engineering which is a real fun part of racing for me so right and love setups and I knew a lot about building cars and did it and so uh there's different exhilaration elements i i, I never I never felt like because I've always done things that every since is a journey. it's more of, you know whether I'm extreme skiing and jumping off cliffs or motorcycle <laughs> riding or racing. Right. Or, yeah, I think it's more of challenge your challenge your physical abilities and in, in to the highest degree because you're taking. Like, if I'm skiing a 2,000 foot uh, shoot, that if you fall, you're dead. You know, you're really you're, you're. we don't do
1: that, do we, guys?
2: <laughs> you no, know, but we do that. You know, we do that in racing and other stuff. Maybe not to agree, but yeah, the, the technical aspect is absolutely is stuff that's more uh, intriguing to me than anything, and, or, or just the precision that it takes to maybe slide around a corner, and there's you know a post here and a car coming this way, and then you got to like get it right to camera or to an actor. Like, those, those are there's no room for error. And you also have to do it to where it looks right, which is usually um, not very conservative. So, absolutely.
3: Do well, and, and Stanton, over the years, too, you've gotten to, to drive in some really cool motorsports events across the last 25 years. But I want to ask you, too, you made your Cup Series debut in 1999 for Don Donlevy. You got to race for Roush Racing in 2003.
2: What was wow. it like to get behind the wheel of some of the most legendary owners in our sport? Wow. Yeah, it was super cool, you know, um, back to how I got into racing, just like, I never thought I, I always loved racing, but I thought I was going to be, you know, I was racing professional motocross, I was ski racing, and you know, I said, I wanted to fly fighter jets, and (laughs) I didn't really ever think I would race until I was like old enough to drive, and I had driven anyways when I was younger, Uh, my dad taught us some of that, but old enough to drive legally. (laughs) <laughs> um, I was like, well, maybe we should try racing cars. So, um, that's, that's when it came And you know, uh, from a racing standpoint, I've told this other stories, you know, I've got to, I think I was eight or nine years old when my dad was, uh, with the school Bandit team. I remember going to Darlington testing with my dad and wow. we had bicycles, you know, I rode bicycles and everything. And he, he was a workaholic. Uh, so we brought our bicycles down. I got to ride around Darlington, the racetrack on my bicycle. And I always remember that day. I had no idea I'd ever be back there to, to race. So, dude, that I mean, is a cool story. Why? You know, I, didn't, oh, I didn't grow up like Dale and our junior or something, but I did grow up around it. It just never registered that I would be racing cars. Um, and so I remember those moments and pulling into to, uh, Daytona or when I raced Darlington and, and remembering when I was there with my dad, and, and I, I'm flipping racing cars here at the same spot I had no idea when I was eight years old that I would be in the race car here. So to me, I, I do feel like I have Heritage and racing, but not in the same way as you know some of the second, third generation drivers. Sure. I, I felt like it, it was far removed, but I, I got engaged to it, and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's still cool how
1: it
4: comes full circle.
2: Awesome! Man. I remember the first time going in the tunnel, Daytona, when I was driving. I'd been there with my dad and stuff, but like that—that that was big time. I'm at Daytona Racing. <laughs> Absolutely, um, and and then you, you see Jeff Gordon in front of you and these other guys, Dale Earnhardt. because back when I started the Bush series, there was uh, Dale Earnhardt racing full time. Richard Petty was racing full time. Bobby Allison was racing. <laughs> Carroll Waltrip was racing oh, yeah. full time. You had um, uh, there was 25, 30 cup drivers running in bush you like, how am i going how am i gonna race against these guys i mean when you're young you think you're capable but still realistic like you don't have experience like how are you gonna do with these guys so it was pretty awesome to to get to race and pull up in these places that i got to to go experience with my dad or richard Silver's because i worked in richard's shop um my dad helped him when he was in the school band to buy some tires, and Richard was broke. So no, he wasn't going to race Talladega one race. and I would like no, I'm going to buy you some tires, and I think literally that was one of the biggest turning points in Richard's business, um, and so my dad and Richard became pretty close, and I went to work just you know like to gain experience. Right. There's your chops, sweeping the floors, learning how to paint. Which I, I'm an artist, so I enjoy painting, and I learn how to paint. But Dale Earnhardt always said, hey, if you want to be a good driver, you need to learn, work, and understand race cars. Work on so them, build them, understand. Like, did he tell ideas. you this? Did he tell you this, Stanton, Dale Earnhardt? Yeah, no, I was, I was sitting with him. I think I was, Ah, uh, uh, I don't have to really think, but I was with him, because I was working working with with Richard and my dad was fairly close with Dell. And he's like, if you want to be a good driver, learn how to work. I'm like, perfect. Well, I know how to work on more slugs so and tear part, rebuild engines, I know suspension. I'm going to go work on race cars. And that's what I went to do and and learn. And that's that's probably why I was fortunate to be able to get far enough along in my career. Cause early on, I was building my own late models and doing setups and building them and uh same with when i first got into the bush series of built yeah. bar, took stuff that was mediocre and and made them good so um yeah i kind of it's kind of funny even i didn't grow up in it i feel like i i did you know and and i went to high school in north i went to six high schools all over the country but i ended up graduating in north carolina so i feel like i have you know growing up in north carolina and california two different like really cool industries so,
1: yeah, am, absolutely, man. You, uh, man, it's so interesting to hear you speak about, man. It's just amazing. You, uh, you could write, I mean, you ought to be on your third or fourth book, dude. That's amazing, man. You got so many great stories, it's uh, un- unbelievable. Uh, so Judy Don Levy, I mean, oh, yeah, going back
2: to those guys. Yeah. My point was, as I went to the track <laughs> with these guys, and when my dad, and then so my dad raised with Judy. And I got the opportunity and I don't know who the heck called me, but they were having problems like they weren't qualifying, they weren't running good. And I was kind of known for qualifying well. Right. And so they I got a deal with them. And I think it was uh well, I know, not think, but it was uh Nestle and maybe Folgers or one of those coffee were on the car and I still have the race suits, it was cool. And I have the die cast because my dad raced something. Man, I'm in a first, you know, my first cup race. Even though I was nervous as heck, even though I thought I could drive, but I was so—I didn't do very good because I was my first race. Because I was concerned just getting in the way of somebody <laughs> or causing a wreck. Right? Everybody's like, just be cu-. like, well, w- w- when you have that mindset, be too careful. Do hey, Stan,
1: the kids today—they don't worry about that.
2: I feel like I paved the way for a lot of the younger guys. To, I was 18 in my first Bush race. Wow. I was the Bush youngest race, driver in the Bush series until I think about eight or ten years ago. Yeah, um, and that was a big problem with my career. It's like, how's this 18-year-old qualifying top 15 in a in a Bush race and running top 10 at Charlotte stuff? So, you know, you know, is he ready? Blah blah. And, you know, it was a big controversial. But I feel like I paved the way a little bit, and then Casey Atwood came in, right? Yeah. And he was next, but he was older than I was when I started, but then he had good success, better success than I did. Um, but I felt like we, we kind of paved the way because back then, all the drivers were in their 30s.
4: Right.
2: Bobby Labonte, all these guys were, they weren't. And, you know, Rob Moroso was, Yeah, you know, 21 or whatever, but he got killed. And after that, the, the next youth was like 30 were, i don't even know if there was anybody in their 20s that, were, that was at that level right sure so um yeah it was really cool to be with the, the to say i got to drive with june con levy and he was such a great guy too right and it was a little bit hard because i was in the transition where we were doing a lot of weird stuff with race car stuff right it wasn't the simple you know 30, 000, 30 pound spring in the right front like 14 and they were even higher than that back then so they were a little we were crossing over into like the old school setup sure like new school like crazy stuff right. um and uh, you know yeah there's so many it's kind of because you've been around a long time too there's so many it makes my mind oh it's great, it's, like, it's, a it's great of the technology and motorsports and what we yeah. had oh, yeah. it's
1: amazing how young you were you know I, I mean man the the people you were racing for the people you were racing against how young you were how i mean you didn't have that much experience and you're racing in freaking nascar with the best in the world you know and and like you said qualified in the top fifteen, finishing the top ten, dude, that was I amazing. I didn't finish in the
2: top ten, but I was running up there in a few of those, and right, it did catch people's attention. And I remember my first race was, I think, Las Vegas. Right, we, we went to Pocono, and we were pretty fast. Um, but we, and that's when they had a first and second day qualifying. Sure, and then you had the second day fastest. Um, pole, right? Right. So I think I, I forget. I don't remember I was in, in the first day, but it didn't matter because you had to qualify the second day for top 25. Right. And so I remember and, and, and I really feel like I worked hard for my guy. I used to go out and when people were qualifying, I used to walk, run, drive my car. I would watch everybody. I'd watch how they entered the corner where they got on the gas. I'd go watch a few and one and two and three and four. Well, hey, there... Man, he-
1: you sound like you're making you're fixing to do a stunt, man. Yeah,
2: you're exactly. studying the deal with engineering you know. So I went up and I would actually spotted for Dale a few times when I was younger. And, and then Dale, I talked to Dale him. Earnhardt? Yeah. Wow. And I talked to him and I and I would <laughs> always pick my pick people's brain when it was Jordan yeah. or Dale. I, I was friends with quite a few of these guys because I don't know. Anyways, they're like, if you want to make all your time up, you make it in tunnel turn like, okay, well, I'll go watch one and two for a while, and then I'll go to the tunnel turn. And I watched every, everybody until it was on the first day and the second day until I had to go. I raced back to my car. So I watched the best guys. And uh, I think it was Dale Earnhardt. I think Daryl Walter was at it. I remember um, uh, who was running for Rouse then. And uh, it was Chad Little or... Uh, Kevin LePage, I forget. Yeah. Anyways, like I gotta make this race. I watch for them like, it doesn't matter what this car does. I'm lifting here and I'm getting on the gas here. And I <laughs> and I did that a lot in qualifying. I go yeah. watch people I'm like you can't wait to feel it. These are my points. It's gonna work or it's not gonna work. <laughs> I'm I was gonna say, man,
1: that's a lot of pressure, and I'm gonna go here. I'll Car feels like
2: <laughs> so we uh I qualified second day fastest with Junie at Pocono. I got the Bud Pole Award. something i like,
4: this is idiot.
2: Kid. I mean, they knew I was, but I was still yeah. That was my. So second. you you won the pole. Yeah, my wow. well the second day pole award, but I beat huh? Dale bernard I beat Kevin LePage. He was in the Roush. That's car. a
1: big deal, and, man. Wow. Yeah, and
2: I got to run the butt Shootout <laughs> next
1: year. So, Daytona, man, that's awesome. Yeah.
2: Wow. Jimmy Spencer crashed me, (laughs) right?
0: He crashed a a lot of people. (laughs) So, Stan, a couple more things before we uh, get to our uh, news and notes. Uh, I got to ask, you know, you and David have raced for some of the same organizations over the years, whether it was Carl Long or uh, Rick Ware. Uh, Any time in particular comes to mind, you and David crossing paths and such? Uh, So, I think... Well, he ran with Roush
2: and he, he ran, I think his first cup race was Dover or one of them when he took over
4: for the six car, I
2: think. That was a while ago are you
4: talking,
0: oh, about, I, I was talking about this david here
2: oh david's start oh uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> i you said david regga i'm like okay um well yeah we've raised a ton together
4: yeah
1: we
2: have i think you know because there's so many guys you don't get a chance to meet everybody and talk to everybody yeah. i think the one thing that stood out is we were at texas and we had a chance i think we went to parents actually And we had a chance to talk and I said, so what what do you do like what do you do not not in the, the, the derogatory like what do you do what's background and then he told me he had his racing school out there and stuff i'm like oh well that makes sense you know so i think that was the first time i, I don't know if you remember that day but i believe it was in texas and we were in appearance or something or maybe it was a track but that was the first time i really got to get to know right
1: I, I don't even remember that man I just man it's just, just you know just over the years I mean you've been doing this a long time you just you've been here you're probably the only guy that's been doing it I mean now I mean you got a couple guys Matt Craft and Brendan gone. uh you know no, I got
2: one,
1: those guys beat by a long way oh I know I know but man you you've been doing this forever man you uh and it's amazing but man I you you're uh you, a lot of people talk about you, you know, the, how good you are behind the, the wheel, your, your ability. And, not and I, hear, I
2: mean, there's different opinions there. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, but I hear a lot about, you know, the stunt man and uh, the Hollywood, you know, all the stunts and the movies you make. I mean, it's really people in our industry are intrigued with you, you know, and rightfully so, you know, you're well respected and, uh, you've been knowing us a long time. We've have driven for a lot of the same people, you know, and, uh, and I wanted to ask you, you you've been racing for so long, and uh, how many how many years? Because I think I and, and and I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but you come in and you might do half the races or or something like that. You know what I mean? But how often do, are you not interested in racing full time? Or I guess with making movies and being a stuntman, it, it, you can't race full time. So you race like you race as much as you can to fulfill both sides, being a stuntman and a...
2: And yeah, a, you know, it, it's always been a misconception about my career and my interests, you know? I'm like, well, I don't know at the time anybody that worked harder to be able to be able to race and, and be in a race car, but I think what stunts allowed me to do because, you know, people that I was from Hollywood, I had money, my dad was famous, so on, who, you know, the people I hung out with, um... But I earned being able to race. I worked in race shops. I built cars. I stayed up all night fell asleep under them because I couldn't function anymore. And I had to be at the late model track at 10 a.m. or something, and I towed the cars. I slept in tents. I remember, you know, one of my first bush races, I slept in the holler. I snuck in, took showers. I snuck in the hauler, let them close the garage. I didn't have money to go anywhere to sleep. That's so, nice. I slept in the team's hauler in the back of the semi truck. So, right. you know, that's just one. So, it wasn't that I wanted to do movies and race. It's like I had five years where I only raced. I didn't have time and I was making really good money racing. I didn't have time. I didn't do any movies, but, um, you know, it was a tool that allowed me to make money and the ability. Racing's not cheap. I used to spend thousands of dollars a month times on cell phone bills to call sponsors to print out color copies that yeah. i used to hand draw my proposals because all this fancy art like i'm an artist and i can do crazy stuff on the computer but back then we didn't have it i used to hand draw race cars We'd design the cars and put the spot Hand draw like pretty paintings or color drawings and make it in my presentations and i learned that by going to the library Right. Who corporate people were, VPs, and so on, getting introduced to these guys. I think they felt bad for me. I'd send them these little tiny letters of proposal I thought this will work. <laughs> yeah. And then learning. So, you know, I paid my dues and I, I worked and learned how to build raised cars and set up cars. And I think that's what helped me get in. And I would have never had to, I took money I made from a movie. I think it was uh, Free Jack. A uh, long time ago, I took that and made an offer to to the dad. Like I saw a guy can to run right car. Now my dad knew the guy too, and he got me the test. And but from there, he's like, I don't want you running dash cars. They're too it's, they're too dangerous. I'm like, oh. yeah, okay. Man, that was- so I started working in a shop. It was David Watson. He was up at Boone. Oh,
4: yeah. garage,
2: old old mechanic or yeah. automotive shop. It was five stalls greasy dirty like radio. but he had a few race cars in there and i went in and worked on them. and i i paid my dude but i'm like here's i don't know it was like four thousand dollars sure enough, He's like okay i'm like don't tell my dad yeah. that didn't know I,
4: my dad didn't oh, know i was God.
2: actually going to race until we were on our yeah. literally almost on our way down there you uh, know
1: stan hearing you talk uh you know and and i know this because i've seen you for years uh you know, you, uh, not only can you build them, work on them, fix them, engineering, set them up, you know, you're good with companies, you're good with people, you represent the company, your sponsors well, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's not a lot, uh, you know, I, I listen to you speak, and I think you guys will agree, you know, you, uh, it wasn't given to you, you went out there and earned it, and, uh, and, and went out there, like you said, you, you made your own proposals, you did your own artwork, it was kind of unique and special that way, but you had some great sponsors over the years, and uh, you know uh, nobody's paying for your racing, but your hard work, and and and, and you know, and, and a lot of you want to, you know what I mean. And uh, so that's that's interesting. I respect that so much because uh, I, I have to do the same thing these days, and have been for a long time. But uh, but man, it's it's cool, it's cool to have us have you on our podcast. It's cool that yeah. you've been racing for so long it's just, you're just a neat, unique guy, man, so. Well, it's fun to be here,
2: and I, 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 I'm sorry about my long-winded, but I don't always answer the right question, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I love to race, I'd race all the time if I could, and I had the opportunity to race a long, long time, it wasn't always handed to me, and, you know, some years I, I missed out on rights because some other guy had a name, and I didn't, but, by the race four or six or seven, I would get a call because they weren't qualified. Somebody wasn't qualifying and they had a big sponsor, Dr. Pepper or Channel Off or somebody, and they need to be in the race and I would get a call. So, um, you know, I, and again, I had about five years where I got to race full time and I made, you know, I was able to make a real good living and do it. And, uh, it's fun. It's taught me so much though. You learn marketing, you learn business. When you own a team too, you know, I own teams. I hired drivers when I, was racing full time. I had still had a team and had other drivers and and, and I had my own teams and uh, dealing with sponsors, marketing, promotions, uh, how you get retail distribution, how you man, like you said, you're it's it's not, you're just not going to the track and driving. No. Right. Like, especially back in the back in the 90s and early 2000s i mean remember we used to go to bristol it'd be like 10,000 people at that one place so you'd go sign autographs for like four hours and was a full full full-time job um it's i think it's a little bit more relaxed now it's a little bit more in corporate but we really used to engage with our fans and we and we had a lot of events around fans so between that and then the race shop stuff and and doing pit stops, and I loved being around the cars and, and trying to be around with my crew and work with them and let them know I was equal to them and were part sure. of a team to, you know, traveling. And, like, it was full-time, and I love it. And I did get burned out in, in late, you know, like 2009. Uh, I'd already done it for 20-some years. I think I've run, man, I had, like, 28 years. I ran at least one or two races and expanded the year cup. Right. Executively. And I missed that a couple of years ago. But, you know, I would love to do it more now. I thought I had a great opportunity to run full time maybe next year. But I just don't want to get out and just get. I've had opportunities people ask, but I just don't want to get out and just get in any car. And run right. all right. I got yep. other great stuff going on. But I sure love going back to see my friends. And um, so. Many well, we'll people.
0: Stand, uh- one more question before we get to our news and notes segment. I see the Chiefs hat. I got to know, you know, <laughs> as a uh, as a fellow Chiefs fan and such, uh, how do you feel about their chances in the uh, playoffs? Got a big game here uh, this weekend uh, going up uh, against uh, this uh, this very uh, good Steelers team on a Sunday night. What do you think about their chances here of winning the Super Bowl, going back again? Man, you never know. You know, in
2: the playoffs, you can't take anybody for granted, my opinion. I'm a huge football fan, and obviously the Chiefs have all the players and dynamics and coaching to go all the way. Um, I wouldn't say they're as good as they were maybe last year or when they won the Super Bowl. I think uh, overall they have the depth. Um, they can win. But in the playoffs, any of those guys can I mean, you've got Rossberg is going to be his last year. Of course he wants to you know, close that out at the Super Bowl. I think the, um, you know, Steelers will play at a really high level for that one reason alone. Uh, they're obviously in the playoffs. If you make the playoffs, you're capable of, of any Sunday. Anybody can run on any Sunday, and I think that's really relevant to this weekend and, and all the playoff games. So, I'm not, I'm not super confident that we can walk away from this one, but you know, I think you know, we have a strong chance and um, there, this is a weird year in the NFL. It is. Uh, there's a lot of really good teams that aren't, you know, you have that section of teams that are, that are all like 11 and 5 and or 11 and 6 and, and 10 and 7 or whatever. You have that group and then you have the next group, but they're really good too and they're all like like 9 and, you know, just two games down, and but they're And then you have the next section. So you have this whole group, you know, that's right in the hunt. I've never seen an average of so many teams that are so good. You you have like six or seven that stand out. You literally have half the NFLs, like legitimate, can go win and play. I mean,
0: you're you're talking about Stanton, uh, you know, this is a 14 team playoff. I think you could be realistically eight or nine teams I have figured a shot. seven to nine
2: is the chiefs in that in that area because they haven't had the consistency and maybe they're trying to figure out how to like manage some of the new new offensive line and some of the new defensive guys right but they haven't been consistent so they fall in that range of i i think nine's a great number um yeah and yes you can win from nine
0: but, right, uh, David. Uh, he's a, he's a big Cowboys fan. I, I'd love to see a Chiefs Cowboys Super Bowl, and just have to you know. Boy, would that be unbelievable? Games. And <laughs> you know, the, the Cowboys are are outstanding,
2: but they've had their they've had their moments too. Absolutely, they've, been, they've been more. I think they've been better overall than the Chiefs have on a consistent basis. But right. they have also had, you know, they've all had their ups and downs. But Absolutely. I still I still see some some larger uh degrees of inconsistencies in the Chiefs and some of the other teams. Now can they definitely yeah. wrap it all up, which most uh you know, top tier teams do in the playoffs. Goals get right. in the playoffs, try to get in a good seed, try to get home field advantage. They didn't do that. Uh they shouldn't have lost Cincinnati, but Cincinnati's no slouch. So you right. know these it it's gonna be fun the next couple weeks. Yeah. Probably.
1: You know, I'm a big Chiefs fan, but golly I uh man I respect Ben Roethlisberger you know
2: his ability
1: to play in the NFL for 18 years and you know to be as consistent as he has and to play as long as he has I like to see him go out on top you know it's kind of a a cool story you know um you know uh being able to just be in the playoffs and play the Chiefs I mean they that was kind of unexpected but they've been playing really good the last couple games and uh you know, I'm kind of I'm I'm torn, but because I, I want to see Big Ben go out on top, you know. So uh,
2: and yeah, we all like to do that, but again, I I'd rather see the Chiefs win. Uh, ben ben Ben's <laughs> I won the uh, he's yeah. won the Super Bowl. He has Absolutely. nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, yeah, he's
0: honest. the first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, yeah. if he's he wins hundreds. Super. I'm proud of him.
2: Been great, but uh, yeah. I, I I don't know. Maybe I'll switch my degree. They're just going to get stomped by the red. <laughs> <He's now laughs> terrible, Yeah, Terrible last yeah. game of his career. <laughs> yeah, now, now, I met him. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So you remember when we did uh, Kentucky, I think it was? He was a, uh, whatever you call those fancy guys, that famous guys, a grand marshal. Yeah. He was wow. a grand marshal of Kentucky. Wow. And... I remember because I'm I'm a football. I really? have a lot of football stories. My dad was friends with Dan Reeves. To like, I was oh, wow. playing with the NFL players and so on. So you know, footballs like I remember right. shaking his hand. My hand wouldn't even fit. Like <laughs> my hand would he squeezed my whole hand, and I could I my fingers were like. So he he got a big hand, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm like. Hi, hi. Like, he, looks like, he looks like a teddy bear, but you could eat like George Foreman. Though he could crush you just for like a. <laughs> I'm shaking, awesome. and I try. You know, and I grew up with, around my grandpa. And my dad, like, when you're when you a man, you shake a hand. Absolutely, I couldn't even. My hand would get crushed. <laughs> was, I couldn't even. I couldn't shake. This is like girl. It's like. <sighs> Hey, but, Stan,
1: didn't he know you had to race, man? Don't don't hurt my hand. I got to race.
2: <laughs> I'm tough that way, but I just felt like a wimp. I'm like, yeah. Oh. And I thought, that guy thinks I'm the biggest wimp for sure. I couldn't even get, I couldn't even. That's, that's man. hilarious, man. Yeah. You'll, you'll never
1: forget that handshake, will you?
2: <laughs> I have another handshake story, but I broke my arm, and they didn't know it, and I was racing. I shook this guy's hand and just met him. <laughs> And really? years later, I'm duck hunting with him. He's like, man, I thought you were <laughs> such a wimp. You couldn't even barely shake my hand. I'm like, well, I go, well why did you broke. tell me that a long time ago? He goes, well, I didn't want to make you feel bad. It's like you were like kind of a little weird and Hollywood kid, you know, whatever. but I'm a heck of a shooter. Well, we, That's another time we went shooting at those NRA things yeah i whooped everybody because <laughs> so i'm like well i remember that i broke my arm two days earlier on a motocross bike and i didn't want to have a cast. i couldn't shake my hand i could barely even touch anything you just grasp my hand and i'm like oh my like, god, god. I, I broke it up there where the muscles go right and so, you didn't have a cast on? No, because I needed to race my car. They're not going to like it. Dude, that's oh, nuts, man. Wow. I raced with all kinds. of broke my femur and a few days. <laughs> like, a week and a half later, I'm racing my collarbone a couple of days later, wow. I'm my foot. I broke my foot on a movie, shattered it 11 places. I didn't put a cast on. I put my ratio on, which is good because it's tight. I broke wow. 11 bones in half. I raced four days later that's oh my man, that's... breaking that was my breaking foot in the first race was st louis
1: oh my god that's a lot of breaking there wow
4: yeah. <laughs> wow
2: that's crazy. So yeah that's that my, that my uh long story from beth ross breaking. yeah that's out. cool that my, <laughs> no, that's I'm all, like, good. all right I, yeah. I feel like a wimp. I don't well, well hey real quick right.
3: stan i'm gonna take like three or four steps back because you kind of touched on it but you've got me curious now before we move on to news and notes what is the likelihood we see you back in a cup car this year or any of NASCAR's national three series in 2022?
2: Um, I think pretty good. I don't, you know, I don't think I'll, I don't think I'll get to race full time, but, uh, I think, uh, if things go right, I've actually been working hard with some people I've worked with in the past and, you know, I'd love to get into at least 10 or 15 races. Um, you know, I thought I had a real good deal for trucks and we went kind of towards the cup thing and that didn't work out and we lost a bunch, bunch of time and momentum. But, you know, it'd be awesome to go to 10 or 15 races at least and, and be in a good situation where you can run. And, well, I hope
1: uh, that comes. I, I, I hope would that love comes to do it. I,
2: I would that do that it happens. full time if it was the right situation. But again, I have to manage like importance of other things where I just right. don't like go run to run. It's fine True. to go run run a few races but not not every weekend um sure sure Dave knows how that is and that's it sure are. be fun I have fun all my friends like I grew up around that that's my family and then I have my movie family so it really feels at home when I'm at the track and yeah do, well, well
0: you got a few more things that we need to get to before we uh wrap up we're going to hand things off to uh, a resident Packer fan here, Dominic Aragon, who's uh, got <laughs> today's news and notes. Dom, uh, how do we feel about those Packers, by the way?
2: I would, I would pick them over the Chiefs to go all the way. To be honest, with you.
3: so here's the thing: I am banking. I'm telling you what, number one seed Packers look strong like usual. They're going to get to the NFC Championship game, and then they're going to get rolled by Tom Brady and the Buccaneers to go to the. <laughs> hey,
1: I, I hope so. <laughs> I'll,
3: I'll tell you what: you can bank a, You can count on my team making it to the NFC Championship game. Beyond that, I have no idea. So we'll just have to. Go. I'm gonna,
2: I, I'll take a bet with you. I'm going to pick the Packers over Brady's team this year.
3: So you're going to you're going to make me force my hand and bet against my team. Well, you already you already bet against them. You already put
4: bet. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. What, are we, what, are yeah, what are we waging?
2: Yeah, what are we wagering, Stanton? Uh, uh, well, something I can afford. <laughs> okay.
3: okay, that sounds good.
2: I'll <laughs> send you a case of my wine.
3: Yeah, so
4: there you, you go. Know. That'll work.
3: There we go. I'll like it. And if I lose, what I owe you?
2: Uh, The Green Bay hat.
3: There,
2: <laughs> there you that go. That sounds okay. good. All right. Heard, I have heard, friends heard. that used to play for Green Bay. Something really? Like yeah. I have tons of football, so we can do a segment just on football. <laughs> We're going to have to have you back. Absolutely. Absolutely,
1: man.
3: Absolutely. <laughs> That's cool. So we, we begin our Motorsports News and Notes segment with some news that hit on Monday of maybe – News that kind of came out of left field, if you will. Eric Almirola announced his retirement from the NASCAR Cup Series at the conclusion of the 2022 NASCAR season. Almirola has run in the Cup Series since 2007, on and off, and full-time since the year 2013, 2012 rather, and made a playoff appearance in 2018 with Stuart Haas Racing, has raced for the organization since 2018, and has picked up three wins in his tenured career at NASCAR. He, guys, is citing that he's going to spend time away from the racetrack beyond 2022 and wants to see his children grow up and spend time with them while he thinks his children think he's cool.
0: Yeah, uh guys, kind of reading between the lines here uh with Eric, this reminds me of his teammate Clint Boyer's retirement a couple, you know, a year ago uh, of that okay, he's not that old, but he probably wasn't going to be brought back to that ride and he didn't want to step to lesser equipment. That's what I would think this is more what it's really about. I know the family comments and all that sound nice and, you know, the good PR spin and such, but I, I would think that's probably what more this is likely is. Don't you think, David?
1: Man, you know, my opinion is, I mean, it comes back to, you know, it's probably, he probably knows that a sponsor's not coming back and kind of tied to what you said. He, uh, you know, when you race at the level that he races at with Stuart Haas, I mean, that's one of the powerhouse teams that don't get much better than that. And without the funding that he's had the last three, four years, uh, you know, he would have to step down to not one of the top powerhouse teams, you know. And uh, looking at, you know, uh, Stanton was talking about it earlier. I mean, man, when you're full-time, it's a grind. It's tough. I mean, just constant. And it just, you know, people have no idea the commitments and the sacrifices you, you, you make to be able to do that. Uh, and, but obviously, you're making a living. That's what we'd love to do. But it's still a challenge and, and tough. And, and having kids like Eric does and a family, you know I, I, uh, you know, I, you know, I think there's more to the story, Tyler, like what you're saying. But, uh, but you know, if, if you don't have the funding like you've had over the last three or four years, you know, I guess, uh, you know, he wants to retire. You know, I was really shocked to hear that, to be honest with you. Uh, I wasn't expecting to hear that. That was surprising to do. What's your thought on that, Stan? Yeah, I
2: I read that, I think it was yesterday or maybe this morning. Right. Um, And I was surprised. You know, he's such a competitor and obviously capable of winning. He wins, you know, know, generally once a year or something, but he's a competitor. And I think a little bit of both, there's a certain point to where, you have a lot of young guys coming in and they have sponsors or or backing, and there's only so much room. So, you know, if you don't have a deal, this isn't like it used to be so much, and, and not discrediting him because he's phenomenal. And I've seen him since he started. I was already racing full time. So um, yeah, it's a it's a tough position. And and like I said, he's got a family, and there is a point in a career, and when you when both on stunts and professional sports and different things, when you when you have to take everything to such a degree to be not just out there but to be competitive to win races, which he is regularly, there's an extreme amount of effort and mental like capacity and fatigue and risk that you take. Like you're willing to take personally. And you, it's part of what you do in that race car. And if you can take that risk every lap and you drive the edge, and you, it, it's a grind, there's no, it's, it's, you see, in all professional sports, people break down. And that's why some people are really good, and some people, professional sports aren't quite as good. And I think, you know, he's got his family, maybe, like I said. The next best opportunity is not so great. He's already been in great opportunities. He's won races. It's family time now. He doesn't want to push that edge. And it, it's a grind. It's a mental challenge when you go to the track. It's not all fun and games and like stunts. It's all, you know, everybody thinks it's Hollywood and glamorous. No, you're out there risking your life hell out of yourself, and you're taking risks, and it's stressful. And so on. it's the same thing with race cars. So, you know, I was surprised. I figured he'd be another five years. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not like he's super old. He's, no. he he was a contender this year to win several races. So it is a bit of a surprise. I think there's more to it than that, but heck, he's comfortable, goes out, hangs out with his family, won races, and uh, he's a great guy. His wife's great. Um, I've known him all for I don't I'm not really close to him. I knew his wife a lot more when she was working with teams, but just a great family. And he came up and he did it too. Like he he earned his right to be. Yes. Yeah, he's
0: he's 37 years old. And, and Dominic, there's a couple things that come to mind when, it, when I think of uh, Eric Amarola. Um One of those, the first is his uh, first career Xfinity win, which was actually won by Denny Hamlin, and the whole controversy that was around that. I felt so bad for him how that all went down. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the very first time I actually met Dominic uh, – there was a press conference where you called him by the wrong name.
3: I sure did. And to top it all off, too, they handed me the microphone. It was at a time, 2014, they were doing the knockout. Well, not knockout. Yeah, it was knockout qualifying. So they bring bring the top three into the media center, and Fox Sports would broadcast live on FS1, the press conferences. And I grabbed the mic, and it's him and Brian Vickers up there at the podium. And they qualified second and third and just wanted to ask him what their chances were, what how they felt about their chances to win on Sunday. And I addressed him as Arik. Almarola. so he quickly grabs the mic and he tells me so my name's eric and i like my chances and i just feel my my heart dropping to my stomach oh crap name wrong but i'll tell you it was a it was a great conversation starter among media members that weekend and and eric and i had a laugh about it after i talked to him about it he's like oh don't worry about it but yeah that was that was certainly a a welcome to nascar moment for sure Yeah.
0: yeah Yeah, that was that was funny. That was uh, certainly memorable. Dominic, uh, what else we got going on? Well, the Chili Bowl Nationals
3: are going on in Tulsa in your backyard there, Tyler, and of course my the, hometown. Your hometown, your own backyard. We we know there's NASCAR connections every year at the Tulsa Nationals or the Chili Bowl Nationals rather and all those names on the headlines include Alex Bowman, Chase Briscoe, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Jesse Little, Tanner Berryhill, Carson Osovar, Christopher Bell, Ryan Newman, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Ryan Allison. Guys, we know the last 5 years NASCAR Cup Series regular has taken the A-Main on Saturday night. The A-Main will be on January 15th, Saturday. Christopher Bell won between 17 and 19. And, guys, Kyle Larson has won the last two.
0: Yeah, I would expect it to be no different. It's going to be either Kyle Larson or Christopher Bell ultimately coming home with the title on Saturday night. But I got to tell you, uh, I've been following this all week. I've been very impressed with Chase Elliott. Chase doesn't have a whole lot of dirt experience, And yet he was able to win one of the features the other night and all the talk down there in Tulsa has been how much better of a dirt racer Chase Elliott is now compared to what he was a couple of years ago that he's starting to catch on, on this dirt racing thing. So, uh, David, the the chili ball, what, what a great way to really just kick off the, the racing season really there down in Tulsa. Man, I was
1: reading, uh, I was reading somewhere and it's the most entries they've ever had and, uh, if anybody's ever been to the Chili Bowl, man, it's something to see. I mean, there's just, you know, how many heat races and how many features. Uh, uh, we call them consolation races, you know, to make it to the feature. Uh, but, man, it's uh, it's amazing. They start like it, I don't know, you know, you start like on Elm, you know. You, you make it, you go to the next one, you make it, you tr- keep transferring. But, uh, you know, I don't know how the process works, how you're guaranteed a starting spot in the A main for Saturday nights to win the entire chili bowl. Uh but man, it's uh man, you got the best of the best midget drivers, sprint car drivers. And, and it's cool to see and to hear our NASCAR guys, you know, seeing Jesse Little down there. I had no idea that Jesse Little ever drove a midget ever. And uh and then uh Ryan Ellis and uh you know I, I didn't hear JJ Yaley. But uh, but man, you know, just some ask NASCAR guys can hold their own, and uh, to see Christopher Bell, and uh, and Kyle Larson, obviously, they're those are the guys that that you know the last two, three, four years, those are the guys you got to beat to win the Chili Bowl. But there was a feature last night, and I think I read this morning that Kyle Larson finished second, and and I don't even remember the guy that won, but he got beat last night, and uh, so. Man, there's some very, very, very talented race car drivers that drive these midgets. And, man, I've been three or four times over the years. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I thought I might go this weekend and watch the feature Saturday night. I don't know yet because we might go to the Kansas City game, Tyler's, you know, Sunday. Uh, uh, but, man, it's something to see, man. It's it's incredible. And, and I don't know about you, Stan, but I'd love to jump, jump in one of those midgets sometime just to – see what it feels like, see if we could do it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it'd be super fun. I mean, the funnest racing I think I've ever done has been dirt racing. So, um, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of guys about going before and racing in it, but it also is just, like, crazy how many heat races there are, and, like, people are so aggressive. They just take you out, get in, and I right. think that that adds to a lot of the pressure and not so fun Somebody's going to train get into heat. So... Um, yeah, I mean, obviously NACDAR guys have done fairly well there in the past as far as winning those. I think we have more than we've ever had had in there. Um, but oh, I'd yeah. love to go. I mean, I've got a lot of friends that race them, and it'd be sure fun. It's so small, though. It is
4: small, Why is this race
0: so
2: popular?
4: It's such a tiny track. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they literally take the Tulsa Expo Center and, you know, just turn it into a racetrack, uh, you know, for a week. And – you know, then it goes back to being, uh, you know, a place for the fair and such like that. It's a unique facility for this type of thing. And Tulsa's done a great job hosting it all these years. And, and uh, I mean, you mentioned all the NASCAR guys, Dominic, they're involved in this. I mean, we're seeing as a result of that, that most that a lot of notable names were not available for this Daytona testing session. I mean, you look at Hendrick Motorsports, they only had one current driver that was able to test one of their cars. Uh, being uh, William Byron, I believe, uh, was the only one that was actually out there testing. I mean, you had Alex and Chase and Kyle out at the Chili Bowl. They had to bring Dale Jr. back to be able to build the test at Daytona. That Absolutely. was kind of
1: cool to see Dell Jr. back in, uh, the, uh, in a Hendrick car. I think that was pretty awesome. And, and uh, you guys might know, I don't know, but who was in the other Hendrick cars?
0: I'm the not old. exactly sure, Dom. Do you know?
3: I'm not sure off the top of my head, but, yeah, I, I share that same sentiment. To see that headline a few days ago, NBC reporting, that Dale Earnhardt Jr. got to get back behind the wheel in a cup car in Daytona, really cool to, to always hear that. You always know that's going to be very popular to see Dale Jr. back behind the wheel, especially with his hometown or his his home cup series team.
4: Yeah. Well, I, can't
3: not- wait. I
1: can't wait to hear the results uh, and, and and to get some comments from the guys and see how the – the new car how it drafted and you know and and here the characteristics is it tight is it loose do they suck up well I mean you know I'm I'm just I can't wait to get some feedback and learn how the test went because uh I saw little bits and pieces of it on social media today uh but I was so busy I didn't really get to read anything up on it maybe you maybe any of you guys might know or heard anything have y'all
3: Well, I know they had a drafting session in the afternoon and NASCAR had about, I think it was 20 drivers, right? Tyler, go out and do some drafting, do some laps. And NASCAR seemed very pleased with the results. So it was the only session that they did, but that was really all I had seen come out from the afternoon session.
0: Yeah, it is interesting to see the lack of uh, cup drivers uh, not take part in this session, especially with the new car down at the Chili Bowl. You know, I remember years ago, Dom, when (laughs) – you know, Tony Stewart would never show up for these testing sessions. He'd be, you know, he'd be like, screw this, you know, I'm I'm busy <laughs> at the Chili Bowl, you know, and that, uh, for a while, that didn't go over well with some people. Absolutely. or oh,
3: Dale Earnhardt, you can even back it up a couple generations there. Earnhardt hated a test. And <laughs> you see a lot of these big guys, marquee guys, not want to get in the car, and they would put different people in. And I, I think Dave Marcus was the guy that would test for Dale Earnhardt. So, Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, but I think this year is more critical than any. I get Absolutely. I get when we had our old cars and not much change. And it's like, you're doing these boring laps. You're going out and making your regular qualifying laps. And you're trying a little piece of this on the D pillar. You're trying a little of this on the, you know, on the right rear quarter. And you're doing one thing at a time. It's boring. I mean. It's fun when you first go because you're one of them driving anything. But after that, it's like, all right, testing can go to somebody else. But I think um, with these new cars, I think they're they're missing a little bit of an opportunity to go to the Chili Bowl. And I don't know how this works out, with the team. I'm sure the teams are not too happy. I get any other year, but this year where you have so much on the line starting out the season, Daytona 500 is the biggest race, by far bigger than the Chili Bowl. You win a million whatever dollars, but it's it's – It starts a mass. If you can win that race to run in the top five and finish there, and I think people are going to really have hard times with these cars during the race. If you can manage your equipment during this race, figure out how that setup is long-term and what you need to do. And if you don't have that every lap, valuable seat time, not that they're not great drivers, they don't know this car and they need to be able to communicate what they need to their team, what they need out of this car. And that driver is super pivotal, even though Dale Jr. is a great, Super Speedway driver, I think it's a big lost opportunity for these guys to be away. Now, does the team have the depth to overcome that? Yeah, probably. I personally wouldn't do it because I think it puts them at a disadvantage at the bus. I, I,
1: I totally agree with you, a hundred ten percent, Stanton. No doubt about it. I'm I'm surprised too. You know what I mean? I, I'm surprised too. But you look at that powerhouse Hendrick organization. You know, uh, like you said. Uh, I'm sure that they're so deep they'll be okay. But man, this is you would. Yeah, but think when you go,
2: know, you know, like they don't have a lot of practice time.
1: No. What's the
2: most important thing? You need to figure out what your car's capable, of so you know where the limits of it is. Absolutely. Right? If you don't know that, you're gonna spend. You can't spend five. You can't waste ten laps down there because the practice time is not a lot. Now, fortunately for there, you have the the twins, right? Right. If you really want to get in a car before that, that you have uh, not a lot of time in, and you're going to go race it for the Twin 125s to figure it out then. Every yeah. lap in the draft down there is going to be super valuable. I I ab- absolutely. And it's a lost opportunity. Um, great for Chili Bowl, great for racing, great for race fans to see these guys race and other stuff. I just don't think this year it'd be my year to opt out to get time in this new car. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's going to go to more more rate. It's not just uh, that race. You're going to learn something for. You're going to learn for a lot of races in that. And, that for, and again, track time is so valuable. Right. I think every lap in this car and communicating with your crew is like. I would. Well, have,
0: well, is, well. on top of that, going along the same lines too. You know, the the intermediate race tracks are now the closest they've ever been to the super speedways as far as the differentiation between the two it's the closest they've ever been to each yeah. other now so mm-hmm. you know those notes mean more than just the four Super Speedway races now I mean there's stuff I'm sure that can you know transition some of those intermediate races too something to think about there uh, let's go ahead and get to our ask David segment we ask you to submit questions to us on Facebook at David star podcast Twitter at star podcast email David star podcast at gmail.com you can write to us there And uh, we have questions for both David and Stanton here. And so uh, let's go ahead and uh, get to our first question from the inbox. This one, it comes from Mike. Mike wants to know, this question's for Stanton. Stanton, uh, tell us about your bobsled uh, challenge that uh, you were a part of.
2: Oh, man, the bobsled race was super fun. I don't know how much time we have here, but so when I was growing up, my mom was a World Cup skier, Olympic skier, ski all the My grandpa coached U.S. ski team. So winter sports I love, right? And the only time you got to see bobsled was in the Olympics. They didn't air it back in the 80s when I was a kid or 70s. They, they aired it for the Olympics. So I used to stay up and watch ski jumping because I always wanted to ski jump. And I watched bobsledding. And they always aired super late. My mom would stay up with me. So when Jeff got involved with the bobsled, he's like, you know, I'm like, dude, I love bobsle. Any time I have an opportunity, like, come hang out, whatever. I want to, I want to go see it, help, whatever. And I was racing a lot then, and so they came up with this bobsled challenge thing, and we all went up there. And Dick Trickle, Boris, myself, uh, I don't know. There was a Lucas, uh, the drag racer. Um, there was a bunch of guys. We had so much fun. It was one of the best weekends I've had, and uh, so then I got with the 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 guy who ran the bobsled stuff, did the the TV stuff, and then they pitched it to ESPN. I think it was on at the time, and like, well, let's make Stanton like go from this NASCAR driver never really racing bobsled, and let's put him in competition. So I actually got to race in, uh, on on like the real deal. Wow, Calgary. Uh, I went to Calgary and trained with the Olympic guys for like two months. I raced the North America Cup race there against World Cup guys. I got got in the top six against guys who have been in the World Cup. And then they're like, because the goal was to get me to go race uh, four run the World Cup at Lake Placid. And then do a whole show about training because I've, you know, professional motocross race train, and all the you know, car racing, how it correlates, how technology correlates mental. So we did these shows and they aired them just before the bobsled races um, every weekend. Maybe it was on speed that was on then. But, anyways, I had so much fun. I went to Calgary, froze my butt off for two and a half months, trained with it. And I'm small. <laughs> I'm like this tiny guy, but I could run quick for a little bit. But that was my disadvantage is I'm small and I'm pushing even a heavier side because it has to meet the weight. But, yeah, that bobsled thing was so fun. And then I went to class. I, I did national championships. And then we're like, well, he's good enough. He's not going to forerun. Let's keep racing like real races. I bought sleds, um, really competitive sleds, Olympic sleds that won medals to help the U.S. team guys. That didn't have because there was a discrepancy. And that's why Jeff got involved. You know, that we didn't have good equipment. The depth of the yeah. wasn't yeah. great. So I bought sleds. Um and provided them for guys. Uh, one of the guys won the national championships in one of my sleds and then got on the World Cup team and got to race World Cup. I've helped the Australian guy, didn't have a sled, um, let him use my sleds. And he made the last Olympics because he qualified um, with a competitive sled. I helped this uh, Brazilian kid. I've helped some of the, the Brazilian girls and English girls. So it's since then, I've, I've been helping athletes because my mom went through a lot in the Olympics and world cup and stuff. And, uh, there's, there's a need, real need to help athletes there with equipment. They don't make money. They don't, they just passionate about what they do. They work harder than anybody you can imagine. So that all rooted from being around winter sports and loving, cause I didn't grow up around pop so I didn't grow up. We didn't have ski, even though I jumped some of the biggest cliffs you could ever imagine. I didn't have skis. Those are things I always wanted to do. So Jeff made that happen and, and we had such a great time. That was, uh, one of the funnest talk about a real race car you when you're in trouble in a race car you can lift and get on the brakes right Right. you're not saving it you're you're go you're going down you're going down fast and violent and and things come at you fast and if you don't anticipate it you're crashing Um, did
1: did you ever crash
2: i crashed twice wow yeah once in uh in calgary and yeah. that's what they impress. I went to Lake Plas, It was the toughest track in the world, and I never, I never crashed. And they were like, "How's," but I, I understood fall lines from skiing and lines from motocross and <laughs> car racing, right? So, uh, using the fall line, and and anticipating movements and see the pant fill for motocross and cars, all that applied to the bobsled and just slight touches. So. It is probably one of the absolute funnest things I've ever done. Wow! Talk about exhilarate. Like you don't get that in in a race car, right? The speed becomes um, relative. Right. Everybody's going the same speed. We're used to that, right? Indianapolis was pretty cool. That was pretty fast, going two thirty into a corner that you don't think you can make, and you're like, (laughs) hold it wide open and hope hope make it. But um, in a bobsled you know, it's this wide, right. And then It opens up in these turns and you're dropping 20 feet down into the next turn. And wow, you're, you know, just think about how you have to look ahead at Bristol or Darlington. Sure. Well, so you can't look that far ahead. You, like the corners are so tight. You're, you're trying to look ahead and it's violent and, and you're trying to look at your line, but look far ahead. Well, you know, the peripheral, because some of them are so sharper when they put the the covers on the tracks, then you really can't look ahead and it's, and you really got to go off of, of feel in, in memory. It's crazy. Cause when you, when you get behind, you're like, ah. you got to catch up somehow. And it's like caution to the way Like you just, <laughs> it, it's because <laughs> it, you, it, you, you, the only control you have is steering. It's like, oh, I screwed up. I'm gonna just put the brakes on and regroup. There's no regrouping. You're you're <laughs> along for the ride. It's wow, pretty, it's pretty wild. So was uh, uh
0: was Jeff Jeff O'Dine involved in that with you at all? Yeah. Well, Jeff organized the whole like the what,
2: whatever you said the name of it is. I forget the name, but he he had this charity event that raised money and awareness for the bobsled team, and. and a bunch of the NASCAR and drag racers and, and some other drivers went up and there was, I think there was like 12 of us and we did this, they made a um, a sled that wasn't monobody, but it, it and, and they taught us, you know, we, we started halfway and learned, and we, we actually started at the three quarter mark in the race. But when I went back to do it for real, um, it's a process, you work your way up the track, and the first time you go from the top and push off, it's it's fast and it's wow. been half that fast. It's like this is I, I'm I should be here right now. <laughs> I <gotta get> down. <laughs> wow, and that's probably one of the that's probably the most exhilarating thing uh, I've definitely done out of all the stuff I've done. It's it's one of the coolest. Uh, is
1: that that's
2: amazing going, like like amazing. at like that uh park city you're going like 90 miles an hour wow and Dude. stuff is fat and you're on ice yes and then when you got on world cup ice like for for the national championships and these in these real races like the north america cup is like that ice is like it changes it's like the track changes from hot to cold Wow. You have to adapt to that. And it's a it's a different animal from practice track to, to racetrack, how they prep it. It's like that. And they go hand, they hand grind those things. They really? hand the ice in the corners and they lay the mist down. And like it's an art form to build the track and it's an art form to definitely drive. It's nice. I got to do the, the luge too, or the, the skeleton, the one where you go ahead at first. That was super fun.
4: That <laughs> was in the kids fuel.
2: That's nuts, dude. Yeah, and Katie Ulander (laughs) was a friend of mine, does the women's. She's been in like four Olympics. And I'm like, I was over there for Christmas by myself. I'm like, well, I'll come over to your race because it was just after Christmas. They had the Australian National Championships. And I get there and they're like, we don't have a forerunner to make it a FIBT official race. We have to have a forerunner. And she's like, well, why don't you do it? And the coach is like, yeah, why don't you do it? I'm like, I don't have anything. And the Austrian coach is like, I have shoes, I have a suit. She's like, You'll be fine, just go. I'm like, What are you talking about? It's like, This is <laughs> your track. I got in. Thank God I've been in the box. So I want to know what. To wow, do. that's so amazing. Man. And, they they <laughs> threw
1: yeah. you in there. <laughs>
2: yeah, in. How fun is that? I'm in Austria, and the next thing I know, I'm doing a skeleton down the track, and it was so fun. Now, everybody's like, Here's this, that. And I used one of her sleds, and I for- ran and made an official FIBT.
1: Uh, race wow that's pretty cool wow
0: that's uh that's great guys uh uh got another question uh, in the inbox uh this one's from donnie uh donnie wants to know both for both of you here uh favorite ricky rudd memories we'll start with you stanton oh geez um i uh
2: i knew ricky a long time because my dad when he raised cup Became friends with Ricky, uh, so I've spent a lot of time with Ricky and Linda. And um, i I just say, you know, just to be on the track with these iconic guys, it's like I'm racing next to Ricky. I'm actually beating Ricky Rudd. Like, I don't – I just remember being around him and being being with those guys. I have a good picture of him um, early on in in my career, he has me in a headlock goofing around. It was in one of the <laughs> magazines, but, um, I, I've spent a lot of time with him. I worked at a shop when I didn't have a ride. I did his, uh, marketing and his licensing deals, um, wow. and handled that there for, for a while. And then I got a ride and he's like, yeah, go, go do it. But I committed and he, he put me to work for him, um, in a shop. And that was, uh, probably mid nineties when he had the tide deal, um, I do remember I helped him make the Daytona 500. He left me out to dry. That's probably my
4: worst. Because <laughs>
2: I had a great car. Um, I was actually super fast in all the practices, and and um, I could run anywhere. And I got I got I was in the front pack. I think it was six, and um, we broke away a long ways from from the rest of the pack. And Jimmy Spencer was in front of me, and I don't know. He decides to start going too wide and we all start racing and that that next pack caught us like in five laps. We literally were half straightaway ahead. Wow. And then uh, I lost a draft a little bit with Ricky and he was running high and I could run anywhere. So I just pushed him and we pushed him. I pushed him back up to the lead pack. We got in and we got up mid pack and he jumped in a hole and let me hang it. And I got back and then he lost a draft because he wasn't handling good. And um, anyways, I... Uh, he was the last one to get in the race, and I was the last one to miss the race. Uh, that was my worst memory. So uh, I have a lot of good memories with him, but one bad one that superseded all.
1: I love that he, the memory you have. He he yeah. hung you out to dry. He made He it hung deep. me out to dry. I'm like, you have a
2: provisional too, and I'm this little team, uh, just coming in, and and I actually had blown a tire. Like Jeff Hammond and everybody's like on the on on the shows, like the best Chevy, Stan Barrett. And yeah. he has a chance to win. I really had a chance to win the twin one. For, I mean, I led drafts and the whole thing. And I blew it. And Jimmy Spencer was behind me again. I blew a tire. And I thought it was him just hitting me down the back straightaway. It was <laughs> super hard. And I got squirrely. And I look in my mirror. I'm like, "That, you know what? <laughs> I knew it was behind me. And I look back. I see black stuff flying. I'm like, oh, crap. And I'm slapping. And I'm just trying to not wreck they got to the corner and I was slowed down and I waved my hand and Daryl Waltrip just passed me. And then the pack had gone by me because I was lead. I was second in the, in the pack and on the next to the wall. And I'm like, Oh crap, I gotta, I'm going to take out the whole field if I don't keep saving this thing. So they just, I got slowed down enough. They passed me and it just started to lose it. Cause I was at the corner and never hit anything, but the apron just tore my front end up and I spent, like all night with crew uh nascar let us stay late but uh that affected the car a little bit but i had a great car um and then ricky red i tried to help a friend and he wasn't so friendly to me
1: hey stan I, I don't mean to interrupt here but uh man hey guys have y'all noticed that stan's just talked a lot about jimmy spencer stan and jimmy spencer you have a lot of run
4: y'all had a lot of run-ins man <laughs> yeah he wrecked me at the bunch shoot out like i uh,
0: That's funny. David, what about you and
1: Ricky Rudd? Man, you know, I, uh, I'm i just a fan of Ricky Rudd's, you know. I, man, he's, uh, I, you know, respect his accomplishments. He's, you know, obviously one of our heroes in our sport. He's done a lot. One of the things I remember, first, one of the first times i ever been to the Dayton International Speedway, and this was, God, I want to say in the 80s, I'm walking – into the to the stands, and, and I walk uh, through a hallway, and, and it opens up, and the track's right there. I think I was in a tri-oval, and I remember seeing the, uh, it was the blue and yellow number 15 Wrangler car, and it was flipping. I watched it flip 15, 10 times. I don't remember, but it was him, and I don't know if it was the twin 125s or practice, but he flipped, and I remember that he they uh, you know, you think the guys did ambulance is over there and you don't know what's going on. But he ran the Daytona 500 and they, they had to tape his eyes open. I remember them. They taped his eyes open. His eyes were so swollen. And the guy raced the Daytona 500. I don't know. Remember how he did, but I always remember Ricky Rudd flipping when I first walked through there and looked out on the racetrack. He was coming off turn four. And it was right before the trial. I don't know if he got loose off the four. I don't remember the situation, but I think that story, I think a lot of people know that he had two black eyes and they didn't think he was going to be able to run to 500. They taped his eyes open because his eyes were so swollen and he raced the whole race. And I think he was driving for Bud Moore. I could be wrong about that, but I believe that was in the eighties.
2: So that's reason. That was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it was unbelievable. But, uh, I don't know Ricky Rudd like uh, Stanton knows him, but uh, but man, I'm a big fan of his.
2: You know, I got I got to go back to Ricky Rudd. I got I used to live in Boone, right, and I used to go to races as much as I could just to watch watch how right. people drove. I used to love going to North Wilkesboro and sit in the stands, and I got to see that race with uh, him and Dale Earnhardt battling it out banging on each other and that was a pretty awesome race but uh what what a great driver he was and it was uh always fun to watch him especially at the short tracks
0: absolutely well guys uh we're about out of time uh stanton before we go tell us uh, where people can catch up with you and see what all you got going on what's the be- easiest way for people to follow what you got going on man Ah, uh, mostly
2: I, I post a little bit of stuff on, uh, Instagram and Facebook. It's just, it's Stanton Barrett. It's my name. Um, I cover a little bit of stuff on my wine, uh, Stanton Barrett family wines. Um, and that's on uh, Instagram too, but, uh, you can go on the website, Stanton Barrett family wines.com. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty low-key. I don't post a lot. I post a lot of nature stuff, skiing and, and flying in my airplane and motorcycle riding and stuff like that, but uh, you can keep up with me a little bit there. I don't post really any movie stuff uh, too too often. I'm a little low-key on that, but uh, yeah, that's kind of how you track me down or try to stay up with my uh, somewhat day-to-day
0: I need to try that wine, Stanton.
2: Uh, some stuff you guys get. I'm looking forward to trying it with that bet, Stan. So thank yeah. you. Uh, it'll be at the it'll be at the uh, demise of your team if it if it happens. <laughs> I uh, win either uh, way. I'm just saying, win either way.
0: Oh, uh, uh, David, uh, what's going on with you, man? Uh, busy week uh, as you're counting down the weeks of Daytona at this point man just trying to
1: finish up my deals and and uh man just it's it's stressful time and trying to fin- fin- finish up sponsor uh uh you know trying to know who's in with me who's not in with me and uh man there's a lot going on uh working on our racing school stuff there at the texas motor speedway uh you know uh, hopefully going to make it to kansas city for the game sunday if not uh, take my, my boys to the Chili Bowl for the, the big feature Saturday night. But, uh, but man, just uh, right in the middle of putting everything together so we can announce what our deal is for 2022. And, and I know you guys are interested, but I'm, I'm hoping that Stan will be on the racetrack with us this year. i love to see you out there, standing and uh, racing Cup or Xfinity or the trucks. You know, I think it, I think it's cool, the longevity of your career, and the passion you have for it i think uh, i think the sport will be it's a better sport having you having you involved in it as long as you have been so it's pretty cool well
2: thank you very much i hope to be out there as well some with you all
3: Dominic uh, what's happening with you man Well just stay busy covering the sport the and ESPN Radio Albuquerque when when we do so just keep staying busy that way and yeah it's it's been awesome what about you Josh
0: uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to try to get after that Chiefs game with David on a Sunday and, and experience that. Otherwise, uh, actually going back to Tulsa uh, for a couple days as well. So I'll probably run into David somewhere uh, the next couple of days, whether it's <laughs> yeah. Tulsa or can't see one of the two. But it uh, should be fun and uh, a lot of stuff going on, but uh, certainly glad to do it. Uh, that's why they pay us the little bucks, you know, around here. <laughs> uh, we got to go, as always put subscribe to let's go racing on uh, apple spotify google Podcasts, youtube leave us that five star review or don't leave us one at all hit that like button we certainly appreciate it you can follow us on twitter at star podcast facebook at david star podcast and by email david Starr podcast at gmail.com part of the studio soapbox network with uh, new shows out each and every day make sure to check those out we certainly do appreciate it we'll put the checkered flag out on this episode episode number 50 in the books of let's go racing for stanton barrett and star david acaragana Tyler our say like, so long this has been another edition of let's go racing we'll see you next week thank you